Hello, and welcome to the Two Strangers, One NFT podcast. I'm your co-host, Case Rito. And I'm Omega. How are you doing today, Omega? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I feel like I say this every time, but it is very <laughs> sweaty today. It is very sweaty today. It's uh, 30 degrees here in the UK, which is almost 90 in American freedom units. Mm-hmm. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's hot. There's no wind. I have no air con. It's sweaty. Oh, gosh. So you're just like getting slowly tortured as we record this episode and talk about all this stuff. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but no, we'll it's all a, good. We do it for the right reasons. That's true. Yeah, give it a few more months, and you'll be like, "It's freezing. It's snowing. I can't feel my toes." <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But thankfully, I have a small radiator in my office, so uh, I'm sure I'll be be fine. That 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 sounds great. Yeah, I've got aircon and heating in my house, so it's definitely uh, nice and smooth every single day. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So, what's new with you, ma'am? Oh, just doing lots of work, a lot of podcast episodes, a lot of organizing things and lots of real life stuff going on. And, um, you know, as you know, just crypto web three life, the DMs never stop. And uh, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's overwhelming. And <laughs> it's good, though. It's it's a difficult balance of balancing real life and web three stuff, um, even though this is like technically like a part time career thing. Anyways, we can talk about that stuff forever. Maybe that's an episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, just part-time remote work <laughs> touch, touch some grass every now and then right it's important exactly why is it important how to do it anyways um so today uh we're going to be talking about uh blue chips in general um that's kind of the idea i want to talk about kind of last week but then we had real life holiday weekend so we kind of skipped over it um but as, as we saw in like the past month, I, I know in the previous episodes, we've been touting NFT projects like Degods and SMBs. And this past summer was a pretty hectic uh, kind of topsy-turvy kind of stuff going down on that front. Yeah, man, it's been been a bit all over the place. I mean, we've some, seen some of the, the big giants of the NFT world make some decisions and, and come crashing down relatively to their all-time highs equally when you look at kind of various stocks and shares and bits and pieces they've been a bit all over the place as well um yeah it's it's, it's been a little bit crazy and it'd be interesting to hear from you the kind of why you think some of that's happened and, and some examples of some of the decisions they may have made to, to cause a downfall is mm-hmm. a strong word they're still trading really really highly compared to to most but when something mm-hmm. used to be worth $20,000 a pop and now it's $10,000 a pop, uh, maybe even less in some instances, I think that's a fairly big loss for the old mm-hmm. profit marker. Yeah, it kind of makes you beg the question of like, how did this happen? Why did this happen? And um, just when I was thinking about it and just kind of analyzing, doing a little bit of research, like what the heck is going on with the gods? It, it made me think of the broader theme of, you know, how is it that these, you know, what, what we would consider the most stable, the most reliable and you know, investor-friendly businesses, corporations, NFT projects in general. You know, they how do they have kind of like a fall from grace when at one point, you know, companies like Blockbuster were like the go-to company for getting videos that you can rent, and then they were taken over by Netflix, and Blockbuster went away. I guess you're, you're right with with the Degods, you know, going from a 20k valuation to 10k valuation for the cheapest nft 
it's not exactly a complete wipeout, but it is certainly a, I guess you could call it a relative downfall. Um, but yeah, I, I'm also interested in picking your brain on what you think makes a blue chip a blue chip. Uh, why do we call it blue chip? And uh, why do they sometimes fall and fail? Just kind of more high level kind of topic for this episode, even though you're sweating. <laughs> oh, I'm so, so sweaty, so sweaty. So for, for those that aren't familiar with the phrase blue chip, I mean, blue chip kind of refers to um, an asset, so like a, a stock share, in instance, NFTs or, or crypto tokens that kind of seen more as, as a stable investment and more predictable long-term growth, right? So normally people would would look at like General Electric back in the day as a huge behemoth company that you could safely invest your pension in because who would have thought that that would have ever Fallen from Grace or American Cav, uh, Can, Navistar, US Steel, those those sorts of guys who were all massive kind of industrial behemoths out there that you never thought would fail and and then eventually do. And then the gods was kind of seen as one of these blue chips. They are still a blue a blue chip, right? Where after a while you could you could kind of see it as a safe investment. Um, I think these guys because they're kind of etched in. NFT history now, even if the project was rugged, quote unquote, because the their glorious leader Frank left, I think they would still hold perceived value, right, um, as as being in history. So they're that stable, stable kind of bet, um, which is I think is a bit of an oxymoron itself when you talk about the NFT in, in crypto world, because even in the in, in the realms of stable coins like USDT, even those can come crashing down sometimes with horrible horrible after effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think calling it betting is is, is appropriate because in the research, you know, I, I realized like I don't know why these are called blue chips, and one of the little fun facts I found out uh, for blue chips is you know. Uh, the term originated back in 1923 by a guy named Oliver Gingold, who worked with the uh, on Wall Street with the Dow Jones, which is kind of the way of seeing that what are the top companies. And the blue chip actually refers to the poker chip. So it really is in line with betting. And the blue chip is the, the highest value poker chip. And the, the, the term, the meaning of the terms kind of changed from just being really high value to being more stable and reliable. Um, rather than, uh, you know, they do have high prices typically, especially in the NFT space. So I guess you can say that the NFT space is more in line with the traditional definition of blue chip. And then whereas corporate stocks have this newer definition of just being stable behemoths that are able to adapt uh, constantly. And so when we're thinking about blue chips, you know, I I was thinking like, well, what makes some survive and just last for decades upon decades versus other wings like Blockbuster, Kodak, you know, if we go back a hundred years, you know, like Standard Oil, you know, Carnegie Steel, that sort of thing. You know, what is it that makes blue chips adapt and remain blue chips? And I think adaptation adaptation is the key concept here. Because, you know, human societies, they change over time, technology changes and needs and desires and wants are kind of in constant fluctuation. And so I I think one common thread we see with blue chips is their ability to adapt well to the changing uh, economic ecosystem, the changing needs and desires of societies. And I I think with every new technology, social movement, what have you, the blue chips that survive are the ones who adapt the best. 
So I guess we can also think of it in terms of, you know, kind of like a survival of the fittest in its original definition of being the most adaptable to any changing environment. Yeah, absolutely. And and Blockbuster is a brilliant example of what not to do if if you want to be be a blue chip. So, I mean, for like you said, the site everybody knows Blockbusters even. Well, maybe not anyone under the age of 20 because they, they died a bit of a death, right? But Blockbuster yeah. were the leading company for video rentals and, and such, and they failed to evolve. And in fact, they had the opportunity to buy Netflix back in the day for a million dollars. And Netflix were laughed out of the the boardroom and said, this will never fly. Nobody's ever going to want to stream stuff. People are only ever going to want to put a CD, DVD, you name it, Blu-ray and watch stuff at, at home, and and ultimately they stuck to that strategy, um, and it was ultimately their their downfall. Um, I mean, the guys who, who must have been in the the, the blockbusters head office are probably mm-hmm. turning in their graves now, quite quite literally at the missing the mark on on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they've only got one trading store now, and, and I mean it's so famous. There's that Netflix series, ironically, about mm-hmm. blockbusters and and the final. Final sort. I mean, it's it's rubbish. Don't watch it. But it's it's painful yeah. <laughs> there to to see. I mean, it's a great example of not evolving with the times. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what would be a good example of of moving with the times? I mean, potentially, you could argue any oil and gas company right now um, that's sticking to good old fossil fashion fossil fossil fuels. We all know the world is is starting to put laws in place to limit those kind of resource uses, and, and and eventually they will run out. So if they stick to their guns and stick to just those fossil fuels, they will eventually go bust. Right? They're going to have to evolve and start doing renewable energy and diversifying their portfolios and 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 whatnot. And and mm-hmm. if they don't do that, then then they will fail and and ultimately bite bite the dust. And yeah. We're seeing it with with car manufacturers and and things. They they're very quick to jump on the electric car bandwagon. Um, and again, with like in the UK, I think by twenty thirty, you're not even going to be allowed to buy a fossil fuel car anymore. It's going to have to be electric. Yeah, that's right. exactly right. I mean, you brought up so so many examples that I just wanted to like just keep keep adding on to the more examples. But yeah, I mean, to start off, it was like you know netflix originally you know the original business model for netflix was literally mailing physical dvds uh to people's houses and the people would return them and then that's one of the reasons why they got laughed out of blockbusters like oh we have so many locations why would we mail these dvds people are just gonna steal them <laughs> and then so they it was a one million dollar bet that they uh decided not to go on and they they went under versus netflix went on to constantly innovate and adapt and to think that blockbuster had this opportunity they you can't even get the mail order DVDs anymore. They went straight to streaming, which is taking advantage of that technological innovation. And then they went on to start creating their own movies and became basically their own kind of uh, TV show movie studio. And then they basically invented the whole bingeable TV series, which, you know. Oh, yeah. In, yeah. Instant release series, right? Here's all 30 episodes in, in one lump sum. So exactly. <laughs> fat and lazy and sweaty like we all want to do. Yeah, it's like, how do you want to spend the next 48 hours every weekend? Well, you can watch every 30, every hour-long episode of this 30-episode <laughs> show that we just launched. <laughs> and we spent two years making, but here it all is for all of you. And oh, the subscription-based model. I think Netflix in a, basically created this subscription-based model that everyone's using now. Yeah, low, low cost and easy to consume. You barely notice it go out the door. So much so you would forget you even had Netflix. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's it yeah. just becomes a service you can you can consume. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we see the subscription kind of things all all over the place, especially in the corporate world, in in software, all these SaaS based applications, all all charging you your five, ten, twenty dollars per month. I mean, Adobe Creative Cloud has been subscription only, whereas before. It would be what two and a half thousand dollars to buy it, or you could download it on the internet for free. You know, mm-hmm. um, not that we promote that sort of thing, but that's typically what most people did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all, all that stuff. And yeah, I, I think just going back to you know your example of the you know auto industry, you know that was you know I think you can review the whole you know historical arc of automobiles over the past. It's only been about one hundred twenty years because before that, people were just riding horses everywhere. But, you know, Ford coming out with an innovative new technology and all those, I imagine back in the day, the blockbuster version of, you know, horse ranchers or what have you to say, ah, oh, no one's going to drive a car. It's stupid. But now here we have, you know, it, everyone drives a car. No one's riding horses to get around anymore. We don't have horse car- horse-drawn carriages anymore. Uh, and then now we have this new technology for automobiles, which is electric cars. And now we have these videos coming out where, you know, you have a Tesla Model X racing some fancy Corvette Mustang type thing. And the Tesla's beating them just straight up. <laughs> just like, I think uh, it was Maserati or Lamborghini created their own, you know, super high level uh, top shelf electric car that can compete with the Tesla cars now. So it's kind of like you're seeing this uh, adaptation to new technology playing out in real life as we speak in so many industries right now. It's almost overwhelming uh i know when i was doing research on all this stuff it was like oh my gosh there's so much so getting back to you know what makes a blue chip and then why do they fail i think we we, we've done a good job of having some good illustrations uh so far yeah but absolutely and and i think kind of what gives it that longevity over the is the business going to evolve? I think that's a core fundamental that the business needs to stick to or the, the NFT project or, or whatnot needs to stick to. A lot of it is also around brand and reputation, right? Mm, you yeah. could have the best product in the world. Take Subway, for example. Everyone loves a big baguette, but if your your co-founder is found to be touching kids, then it's a good, <laughs> ch- good chance that, that, that it, you're no longer going to be a blue chip, right? And you're going to lose confidence from all of your investors and, and that sort of thing. And I think that branding reputation piece really stands true more so in the crypto world um, than it does kind of the evolution of building. I think in in the crypto world is quite interesting that actually some of the most successful tokens or projects do absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Like they have nothing, literally yeah. nothing. They're just a picture of Sonic on a website. I know we've joked about Hypos before, the Harry Potter Inu, whatever mm-hmm. coin, and it's just a wacky website in in, in in bits and pieces. Whereas the the builders who are actually making stuff for whatever reason seem to be not so welcomed i think because people see it as more of a business where they want kind of more gambling which is why you see things like d gods are a little bit of a, a hybrid they're they're kind of super cool right and and that's what people are buying into they're buying into the brand which is why i think they'll be difficult to dethrone as as a solid blue chip in investment short from some kind of criminal case brought against them but equally they're they're looking to now implement some of these more utility utility cases even 
with kind of their dust, their points parlor and things to kind of keep people attracted um, to the product to, to keep the, the floor price up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, don't, don't know what you think kind of makes a good good NFT blue chip or, or token. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you make some good points. So kind of what, what my idea of trying to kind of condense and think of things in a more simplified way is a lot of times what makes a blue chip a blue chip is the people that run the corporation or NFT project. They're, they're basically the foundation of what makes the blue chip a blue chip. You know, it's people who have innovative ideas, they execute well. And I, I think what makes, you know, it, it's, I'm trying to condense it in a way that, you know, NFT projects, we call them blue chips, but they only last for like a year or two so far. I mean, the space is so new and it's moving and evolving so quick. I mean, before Degods, there was a Solana monkey business, the SMBs, and then Degods end up taking over as like the number one, at least in the Solana space. And then you got Board 8 Yacht Club over at the Ethereum side of things. And I'm sure there's plenty of other blue chip NFT projects and other blockchains. But what what combines them all, the, the, the running theme is they have just really good leadership, really good branding. So it's almost as if, the what makes it a blue chip is being part of the cool kids group so to speak you know we think of you know coca-cola it's you could say it's one of the biggest companies in the world and every i I think most people you drink coca-cola products without even realizing you're drinking coca-cola products and so it makes me think of you know and coke has been around for um, i think over 100 years now so what's the difference between a temporary blue chip and a sustainable blue chip. The Dig Odds did not have that, obviously, because the leader made one or two bad decisions. We can go into details of what Dig Odds, you know, recently fell. But to me, a sustainable blue chip runs off systems that are high quality, that are reliable. Whereas to get to blue chip status, you need people who are high quality and reliable. And then the, the, the blue chips that end up failing in the long run are the ones that rely too much on particular individuals and, and leaders. Um, you know, take Apple, for example, if it was solely off the back of Steve Jobs, then eventually they would have failed. But here they are growing even more powerful and more successful than ever. It's because they were able to transition from a leadership and cool kids group based success into systems oriented success. So that it doesn't really matter who the people are. It's the systems in place itself that make it successful. And I think we're able to, you know, take this over to, you know, things like the U.S. military. You know, anyone can be in any position in the U.S. military, but it's just the system itself that makes it successful and the behemoth that it is. It's not relying on a Napoleon, you know, Bonaparte to lead the army. And once Napoleon's gone, then the army's gone kind of situation. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of what I was kind of thinking of in, 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 while I was doing all this research. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, it, it's it's super valid if you don't have a system in place that's repeatable and, and scalable, then mm. you're never going to be able to become the blue chip for sure. Like you said, you, you might have it for a couple of weeks. It could be a couple of years in some instances. But when you look at the the kind of the stock market, which now defines it as kind of that safe long-term bet, you need to be looking 50 to 100 years lifespan plus. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be that 
well-known brand like the Rothschilds or the Coca-Colas or the Googles or, or something that really makes its mark in history. And, and like you said, you could only do that with, with the correct systems in place. Yes, leadership is absolutely important to make safe and sound decisions. But, uh, but yeah, if, if you can't do the same thing correctly every single time, wrap it with that that kind of branding message of whatever it is it, it may be, like Coca-Cola, super cool, or like, I don't know, Google is ease of usage, BP fuel makes your car go fast. I don't know, I'm making it up now. But you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's, that's kind of their, their consistent messaging that they, they ram down our throats. And they're just these such famous brands that if even if there was a drink that tasted better and you were offered Coke or this other drink that you'd only had once, you would probably still pick Coke because you feel at home with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's and, everywhere too. You walk in any restaurant or any gas station and half the products there are Coca-Cola centric. And if it's not Coke, it's probably Pepsi. So you have like two options. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, what what other things do you think, apart from having bad leaders doing dodgy stuff, like what else do you think makes a blue chip fail and fall? Uh, I, I think it's the uh, losing relevance. I think is is, is huge. I, I think that's kind of the conclusion I, I think I'm coming to because you know, as I was thinking about blue chips, I, I started thinking of not just businesses and NFT projects, but also nonprofits and like universities. Because you can think of Harvard as like a blue chip for education. And so what, what makes Harvard like the blue chip of education? And it's, well, the core of it is any organization, any project is based almost completely off what need or service or desire want that are they fulfilling for society at large. So with Harvard, it's, you know, people want education, they want connections, they want networks. And so they go to Harvard. Uh, or or any other university, or you take any nonprofit like ALS, you know, for example, you know, people have ALS, that's a certain need, and they're addressing it, and they're addressing it well, they have a good system in place, it's efficient, and it has leadership that's willing to uh, adapt with the changing technological innovations that keep happening. Um, so I, I think maintaining relevance is an important part, like what need is this group fulfilling? What are they doing? You know, if you have you know, some company that's wanting to create a new energy drink, it's like, all right, great, but there's already a thousand other energy drinks out there. What makes this one different? What makes it unique? And is it really a need that society needs filled? Or are you just, you know, imagining a a need that's already being fulfilled for other places? So I'm thinking like, for example, like Nokia was the prior behemoth of cell phones back in the 90s. And they're the ones with the the memes of the the unbreakable phone because it was a brick and it certainly had its time and place and it was great, but it was a limited functionality. And then when Apple comes out with the iPhone, completely obliterates uh, Nokia. So they're basically non-existent now. And then the same with Kodak cameras, like the little things that you would buy, the disposable cameras, and you had to go to get it printed out at some CVS or some shop. Well, an iPhone completely negated that. So now you can take infinite photos for free. And, you know, sure, you can have it printed out, but at a certain point, you can print it yourself. And so Nokia and Kodak failed to adapt to the new technological innovation, and they lost relevance, whereas Apple took it over, and now they're the most successful company in history 
I, I think they're number one right now, or at least if they're not, they're close to being number one. Yeah, they're absolutely and it kind of all tied together with that evolution part, right? And and being able to evolve and move with the market. I mean, sometimes a blue chip will just fail through no fault of their own, kind of in a way like when the iPhone came out, they were just so much more technologically advanced for the consumer that unless Nokia already had a touchscreen, it kind of developed. Mm -hmm. It was just never going to survive, right? It Mm -hmm. would be no different to if somebody managed to magic up a super safe flying car made of electricity or whatever technology, then they would just trump everything else, right? And there would just be no no, no saving mm-hmm. all of the other guys until they could create this magical, let's use teleport. It's probably a better example. If you suddenly could teleport mm-hmm. everywhere, oh, you would yeah. no longer need a car and they would just be so irrelevant to the market that the blue chip will fail. But the premise mm-hmm. behind blue chips is, is still sound, that kind of a, a safe long-term investment for um, kind of that diversification of your portfolio is is going to be much better for long term gains than it is kind of placing these bets on startup businesses and and, and such. And it's got to be similar, right? In 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 the crypto world, like if we took Base Chain for example, not that they've done this, but you could you could bet every penny of your mortgage that if they released a token, an official Base token, that would absolutely become a blue chip because it would mm. be owned by Coinbase. It would be there for longevity terms. It mm-hmm. would probably be one of the best investments you could make this year in a crypto mm-hmm. world had soon um, because it's got that branding reputation, longevity, kind of sound leadership and, and all the things we've just spoken about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if they make it like um, almost like a required thing for using Coinbase or at least it has a, a lot of functionality that gives you access to, then yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening as well. You know, my, 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 my thought process, though, when it comes to these kinds of things is, you know, what need is it fulfilling? Is it actually desired beyond just speculation um, is the question. So, I mean, we see all these, you know, hundreds of tokens being created every day, hundreds of NFT projects being created every day. But the question is, what need are they necessarily fulfilling? And I think when we if we're taking it back to the NFT and Web3 crypto space, you know, one of the cases you could make, for example, like Degods and SMB is they were like a premier social club. And that is still a valid need uh, that people want. They want to be connected to the right people. Same way that people go to spend a quarter million dollars on fancy universities. It's not that the education is 100 times better than at a community college or some kind of state university but that the connections that you make with those people, you get to actually have lectures from Philip Zimbardo if you're a psychologist or you know, the top researchers of the field you get to interact with. And I think that's the same concept that applies to NFT projects is, oh, I get to hang out with Shaq if I get to go into this NFT project. Is that worth $20,000? I think it is, let's do it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's one of the needs that are fulfilled by NFT projects, especially the blue chips is uh, premier social clubs. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons why we see a lot of projects coming out with these huge innovative utilities and great concepts, stuff that's never been made before that people just make up in the garage, but they don't take off. And it's like, well, it's because maybe the crypto space is in that, in that development stage. It's, it's still maturing, but right now it's still in that social club kind of phase. Yeah, the, that's a really good point. And, and I hadn't, I don't think I'd ever thought of it that way but if you kind of zoom out and look at the top projects d gods super shadowy coders 
back in the day, I mean, they're another blue chip that, that's eventually failed for, I don't see any reason, but they, they, they lost a huge following and, and pricing fell through. Board Ape Yacht Clubs, Slana Monkey Business and Boogies is they were all around building communities of either influential people. I'm not talking about shillers on, on Twitter and, and stuff. I'm talking about making connections with other builders, um, developers in, in the ecosystem, people who own Magic Eden, those sorts of things. Yeah, and, thought and leaders almost, and such. Yeah, thought, thought mm-hmm. leaders and, and almost gatekeeping, like you said, mm-hmm. to get access to, to these people. Um, was was through these NFTs like Solana Monkey Business is pretty well known, I believe, for for having lots of developers, lots of big time projects. Like if you run a successful project, you probably own a Solana Monkey Business. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you just have one to be part of the cool kids. Default yeah. was that second tier down of of being part of the jocks and having access to all of these people. Um, Boogies is kind of the real more exclusive. Um, the kind of big time developers and, and, and bits and pieces. So yeah, it's it's super interesting that you, you've called that out to say actually the most famous ones don't offer way in physical utility, but almost in terms of social and mental utility mm-hmm. through networking, right? Yeah, it kind of harkens back to our kind of uh, conclusion after our branding episode was like good branding, you know, in a way it fulfills emotional needs. You know, you got one cereal that's just a standard healthy cereal, but then there's Cheerios and Cheerios makes you happy. So you buy the Cheerios instead of the, you know, brand knockoff more often than not. And it, it made me think of, you know, the Astrals going back to that one. We've talked about Shaq, the, that, that one episode. And I was thinking like, what, what made it so that Astrals was not a blue chip? I mean, they had literally Shaq and his son in that discord. Why, why did it ultimately fail? And I can't even remember what the utility was supposed to be. I did. I barely remember what the NFT looks like. But when I think of Astrals, I think of Shaq. And so if we were to do a little theory crafting here, it's like, well, what if Shaq ended up getting all his, you know, professional NBA player friends and casters and celebrities, you know, the Mila Kunis's and Ashton Kutcher's, if he's friends with them, say, hey, my son's got an NFT project. Come, come join in. We'll hang out in this Discord. Everybody loves us. It's a great time. And that Astral server suddenly had Mila Kunis showing up and had Charles Barkley showing up, Michael Jordan coming into play, you know, Kobe before all that, you know, if he was in, you know, that would have instantly become a blue chip, 100%. So all these people who had these Astral NFTs would be holding it and buying all of it. And that would easily make it become blue chip. But my guess is Shaq stopped interacting with Astrals. So all these people bought Astrals thinking, I get to hang out with Shaq all the time. But then he stopped showing up, and so people slowly started going away. Um, you know, I, I have a yeah, feeling that maybe that. that same similar happened. Yeah, I, I think it was it would it would have been something like that. Like you, I didn't buy any astrals and, and and wasn't part of it. But I think also the ecosystem is very aware of blatant shill. Mm-hmm. Like people know when you're doing something because you love doing it, or you've accidentally stumbled into being an influencer or, or a blue chip just because of who you are and a collective that, that's kind of followed you. And to me, when I saw the Astros and saw that it had Shaq on it, I was like, this is just a blatant cash grab. Mm-hmm. Like when NFTs right. were coming around and suddenly Porsche had an NFT, Lamborghini had an NFT, Paris Hilton had an NFT, mm-hmm. Paul Logan had one. And you're like, come on, guys, you got enough money. You don't need to to try and make a quick buck on on these. And I think people mm-hmm. see that. Um, you are right, though. Like, if if 
there was a whole bunch of famous people and every when you bought an nft you could request five minutes of their time on a call once per week then that's mm-hmm. a whole different story right um mm-hmm. or it gave you access to them doing motivational talks or thought leadership and, and stuff then you get that that utility but i think having that psychological safety within a project is is super important and then if there's any feeling of i don't know untoward activity and i'm not talking fraud or anything like that but it's it's just not being done for the right reasons people pick up on that and we'll kind of treat it as a pump and dump and 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 that sort of thing right yeah you're definitely right on that because i'm thinking now i mean the solana empty space is only i mean it feels like it's been around forever but it's only been two years old (laughs) and then within the course of that two years you have all these seasoned veterans people who've been in the space since like day one and I think that's one of the, the obstacles because you face is, you know, a lot of people, these are basically the gatekeepers, these seasoned veterans. They, they get to tap you and say, this is a good project or this is a bad project. And so you, you come up against that, that kind of friction as you're moving up in the uh, NFT space world since it, it is primarily socially driven. And you're absolutely right when it comes to like people are able to detect these paid shills and, and, and whatnot. But then it makes me ask like, well, what if, what if we changed it a little bit? And uh, we'll just stick with the Shaq and Astros example, just because I'm more familiar with it. And I think it's a good example as well. Is well, what if the Astros project was actually, you know, we know that Shaq has all these different businesses and he's constantly planning. What if he had basically created the Astros server and turned it into his own kind of office workshop kind of space? So as he comes up with ideas, uh, you know, maybe he comes up with a different shoe line or what have you he actually consults that discord be like hey guys what do you all think about this we can put it up for a vote you know what charity should i give 50 million dollars to this month um every week uh i'll get on the call with all you guys whoever wants to listen in every week i'll be showing up talking to you and i'll be bringing my friends in and we'll all be planning and everything happens within the discord server and you can only get in there with with this nft you know i i think that would certainly change the tone from oh this is just a cash grab you know shill even if it's his own son making the project you know the fact that he faded it it's itself is kind of you know speaks i don't know if it speaks volumes but his interest level and engagement and genuineness for for it um yeah i think yeah, i think i think, think, I think that, that like that that is a cool idea right i think inherently something like that I, I could name a million reasons why you'd never want to do that but i think it's an interesting <laughs> challenge of of kind of the dao mentality so the, the the decentralization of authority right and and let let's use this example of Shaq, who is a multi-billionaire loads of successful things has this ten thousand nft collection and he now runs all of his thought leadership through this is is you're going to get so much confirmation bias from the same mm. set of people all the time, but ultimately, you're 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 going to be asking a single point demographic of of the planet, and you'll you'll know that the demographic is nerds, people mm-hmm. that know things about crypto, <laughs> NFTs, those sorts of things. Where actually, for what you're trying to market, you may not want to speak to these people at all, you know, because they they just mm. don't have the level of intelligence or the, the kind of the interaction or the, the personal background um, of, of the reason why he's trying to do something. I mean, let's take his shoe example where he created one of the most successful shoe lines in there, but actually it wasn't the next Nike. It wasn't the next Adidas. It was a Walmart brand for 
kind of the poorer generation in in the US to be able to give affordable trainers and shoes to to everyone. Mm-hmm. Now, if you posted that idea in Discord to ten thousand DGens, they would probably laugh it out the door. You yeah. know, and it may never have happened. And they'd go, "No, we want really cool trainers. We want one of a kinds that have an NFT associated to them that I can trade the ownership with." And hey, also a great idea, but it's not going to make you a billionaire, yeah. sort of thing. And yeah, I, that's I think very that, true. It's, it would be some of the challenges. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine when Shaq was pitching the idea within his own circle of friends, because I mean, obviously, you know, if you have an idea, you're going to be using some sounding boards. And I imagine he he did get a lot of pushback. And I remember there was this tweet of him basically calling out all the haters, like, see, it worked, you guys. And I imagine he would have to do the same thing within that Astral's DAO, let's just call it, and have to deal with that pushback, similar to what Frank had to deal with, with the Degods, is he had this idea, it sounded great to him. It just didn't pan out the way he thought it was going to pan out, and it just died. You know, I, I would say that that would certainly be a risk of any blue chip, even if it's led by Shaq with a charity-based mentality. You know, even though, but then you know, on the flip side of it is, well, Shaq also identified a huge need in the market of like coolish-looking shoes for a cheap price for people who can't afford the Air Jordans and whatnot. So it's it's a very complex kind of puzzle, kind of a double-edged sword, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. But then I, I guess you could equally argue on the flip side, is a DAO any different to a boardroom? Yeah, it's just a bigger boardroom. Yeah. Except that, that really is all a DAO is, isn't it? It's just a, a boardroom that the common people can have access to more often than not. <laughs> yeah, it's a room of 10,000 idiots rather than 12. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them are billionaires and millionaires, some aren't. And at least in the proper corporate boardroom, those are all definitely millionaires and billionaires. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I think that's been been super interesting. Do you want to finish up on a couple of news articles I've been looking at? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Oh, Trav, we're already at 37 minutes, man. I, I felt like we were just starting. <laughs> <laughs> Time flies when you... Yeah, you know, let's uh, let, let's knock, knock through some of these articles and then let's try to summarize and, um, yeah, we'll close out the episode after. Have yeah, it. absolutely. So I have stolen this from cointelegraph.com so if you want to read the full article you can go there but google will now allow ads for nft games starting from september 15th so previously it was just something that 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 couldn't be advertised Uh, but they've now updated its cryptocurrency advertising policy to allow for blockchain-based nft gaming advertisements as long as they don't promote gambling or gambling services so things like battling your nfts to win each other's nfts would still be banned um but essentially if it follows that loot box mentality um but it just happens to be an nft then absolutely a-okay i mean that's a good example of a blue chip adapting to the new times and new technology so does that mean we'll be having youtube ads about crypto games because then my algorithm is for sure going to be flooded with these ads (laughs) I kind of hope so, right? Like, selfishly, as somebody that's in the NFT space, the more that that stuff hits the mainstream, the better. I mean, I'm a yeah. very anti-loot box, and I would hate for all these nine-year-old Fortnite players to start buying NFTs and, and such. But if that's the way the world's going, then I, I want to maximize my investment on those <laughs> nine-year-olds buying those loot boxes so advertise away thank you very much oh god yeah i mean I, I was thinking more of just you know creating a bringing nfts to the popular popular eyes and just you know with coinbase's mission of onboarding the next one billion users i mean that for sure 
would would help with that. I mean, nerdy gamers are 100% the target market for crypto and over time it'll expand. I, I think that's that's amazing. I had no idea that yeah. was a thing. Holy crap. But that was only two hours ago. Hot oh, off the press that they announced it. Man, we are just on the cutting edge of technology, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> and talking about hot off the press, a 1.1 million on-chain loan secured by Supreme T-shirts. Oh. So that's pretty new. That's pretty new. That's pretty big. So yeah, they're using NFTs as a, as a financial instrument there against that loan. So once the NFTs were minted and the ownership was verified, the borrowers were then able to use the digital tokens to secure the loan mm. um, up to the value of $1.1 million. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there we go. Get... There's, a, there's a couple of articles. In fact, that was just to quote the source, so we're not being accused of anything. That was from nftnewstoday.com. All right. Well, I'll throw back another article at you. This one's from Reuters.com. I think we've we've all heard of Reuters and um, an article hot off the press as of six hours ago. (laughs) Maybe less (laughs) less hot. It's cooled off a little. But yeah, Grayscale um, winning their court victory. uh, And now they're pushing the SEC to approve the spot Bitcoin ETF. And so that's another, you know, Grayscale being one of the largest, you know, TradFi corporations uh, in the world traditional finance and being one of the very first like spot bitcoin etf available on the market so even if you can't buy crypto don't know how to buy crypto or too scared of buying crypto you can at least buy the bitcoin spot etf so that it's you know underlined the underlying asset is bitcoin itself Um, so you know that's just the constant innovation and blue chips becoming even bigger as they properly innovate and Win these court yeah, I, I, I would say so. I mean, that, that, that's that was super good news. We saw kind of that brief seven percent spike in in Bitcoin shortly after that announcement. But I find it quite amusing because an ETF is basically tokenizing something, right? Yeah. So you don't have to <laughs> own it. So they've tokenized a token that tokenizes things. Yeah. Comfortable, so a tokenize that a, a to- tokenization of a token that tokenizes U.S. dollars. <laughs> yeah, but they don't didn't want to approve it because it's a token. But yeah, the ETF is a token. Yeah, the token. (laughs) (laughs) Just derivatives on derivatives on derivatives, and that's the future. And anyone can make a currency. And nowadays, it's just, you know, sometimes I feel a little bad thinking about these uh, big picture things because it just puts my mind in a downward spiral of confusion and fear of missing out on vital information because it feels like every day some you know, world-changing news comes out, especially in the crypto space. Yeah, man. There's, it's, it's, it moves way too quick. It moves way too quick. Yeah. But it feels there's some good stuff coming out. We know that there's there's lots of developers. We've got Crypto Singapore. Is it called Crypto Singapore? I don't know. There's that big crypto event in Singapore coming out later this month. There'll be, be some news coming out of that for sure. There's a couple of other big crypto conventions and, and NFT mm. conventions happening across the world over the next couple of months. It'll be exciting to see what, what comes out of them. Um, and equally, now Basechain has, has released. I mean, that's coming up to uh, probably its one-month anniversary on-chain. Summer has now ended. The mm-hmm. dust is settling. We've we've seen meme coin season there already. There's still a few floating around, and I, I think the builders are starting to to release some cool technology. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, I saw a post in the the on on base um, Discord by one of their admins that they've got some big news to talk about or something new is coming out. 
um, mm. in the next few days. So be interesting to see what, what comes out there as well. Yeah, we're probably going to have to start making uh, more than just one episode a week at this rate with all the stuff that's coming out and kind of the larger big picture implications of everything. <laughs> yeah man absolutely yeah. absolutely but yeah but yeah so for our listeners out there you know we'll be keeping our uh, fingers on the pulse and updating with things as they go and do our very best we can to create more timeless content if you will of how to approach web3 and crypto life because even for me being in the space for a while it can get very overwhelming <laughs> i imagine it's probably the same for you omega oh yeah man it's it's it's, it's literally I could refresh my Twitter page within five minutes and something new has come out. Yeah, or 50 new innovations. Yeah, oh, yeah. either that or a math problem because somebody's trying to get my engagement, which we uh, just aren't following anymore these days. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, anyway, so let's uh, try to recap everything that we talked about. <laughs> it's going to be very difficult. <laughs> I think we have a natural way of segueing to random other topics. But yes, uh, call around blue chips, um, blue chips that rise and fail. We're seeing blue chips in the nascent Web3 NFT crypto space, uh, the same way we see blue chips in corporations, and they follow a lot of the same rules that we've kind of tried to take our best guesses at. But the core of it is definitely being able to adapt to technological changes and taking advantage of, of that, having leadership that is able to make these correct decisions, people that establish systems that are reliable so it's not dependent on one person. So if one person in the Degods team leaves, it doesn't destroy the entire project, um, things of that nature. And we're going to probably see even more blue chips rise out from the ashes of this crypto winter. And we'll see the old gods kind of fall and new gods come up to take their place um, for whatever reason that we expanded upon for about 23 minutes there. <laughs> Who knows what makes a blue chip a blue chip, but it might have to do something with that uh, social prestige aspect of fulfilling those kind of more social needs. Yeah, man. Great, great summary. And if uh, one of our last episodes, we mentioned about how many trillions of dollars of pie <laughs> could go around the planet. Nobody has tweeted me yet. Doing the maths. No. Somebody, somebody listen to that. Do the maths and then tweet me of how much pie would go around the planet, please. Oh, okay, I need to find out. I'll need to do the same. <laughs> See if we can get an answer. <laughs> Let someone else do the math for us and we can bring it up next episode if someone returns with an answer. Absolutely. Man. Well, All on right. that bombshell, you hit that jingle. Yes, let's hit the jingle. You've been listening to the Two Strangers, One NFT podcast. I've been your co-host, Quesarito. And I've been Omega. And we'll see you all next week.